0: Welcome to the Rebel at Large Adventure Podcast. I'm Drifter.
1: And I'm Gypsy.
0: Talking about ghost towns, graveyards, outlaws, heroes,
1: and ladies of the night.
0: Howdy folks. Thanks for joining us for yet another adventure. Today we're making a stop in the middle of nowhere, otherwise known as Ogallala, Nebraska, to visit a historic Hill Cemetery wherein lies the remains of the rowdier times in the town's history.
1: So before Nebraska was ever a state, it was owned by the French First Republic. In 1803, the United States purchased 828,000 square miles from them. France sold this land, but they only lived and had control over a small portion of it, and this area was located in the state of Louisiana. So the rest of the land was inhabited by Native Americans. This purchase gave the United States the ability to expand further west and try to wager deals with the Native Americans for the land. To give you an idea of how large the land was, it covered most of Louisiana, all of Arkansas, Missouri, Iowa, Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, and South Dakota. It also covered small parts of Texas, Colorado, Minnesota, North Dakota, Montana, Wyoming, and two Canadian territories, Alberta and Saskatchewan. I had no idea it was that big that the area covered.
0: Yeah. I think that whole thing was the Louisiana Purchase.
1: hmm Yep.
0: Well, with control over the land, folks started moving out west. By the 1860s, there were several Pony Express stops along the trails, with one of them being Sand Hale Station or Gills, just outside of Ogallala, Nebraska. The Pony Express stop turned into the Union Pacific Railroad stop by May 24th, 1867. The stop was located in what would soon be the heart of Ogallala. This area was used by the Oglala or Oklara Sioux, being the natives at the time, mm-hmm. uh, for seasonal hunting. The day the railroad reached the area, the Sioux were so upset that they attacked the workers and killed three of the men. These men may have been the first to be buried in what would become known as the Boot Hill Cemetery.
1: Yeah, they said that travelers along the trail could have very well buried people there, mm-hmm. but there was no way of knowing.
0: No clear definition or marking. Yeah. And a lot of them were just buried without being marked as well on the trails. hmm yep. Maybe a pile of stones marked them and that was it.
1: Yeah. So they, they're speculating these were the first ones there. <laughs> mm-hmm. So when a cemetery is first established, the town folks will agree on the area to be designated as a cemetery. But since there was no actual town at the time, the men simply chose the area due to the fact it was up a hill. There was no name given to the cemetery because they didn't think the town would turn into what it did. Mm-hmm. Over time, with more burials, the cemetery became known as the Boot Hill Cemetery.
0: Yeah, I like it. Mm-hmm. Some of the first white settlers to the area was Lewis Oftengarten, arriving with the U.S. Army. In 1869, he built a dugout and opened a trading post store. That's all you need to open business back then. <laughs> Dig a hole. Well, Phil and Thomas Lonergan, not to be confused with Lonergan from the Cowboys and Aliens movies. Uh, (laughs) These were two brothers who worked on the construction of the rail lines. Loved the area so much that after they were finished working, they went to Texas, got them a herd of Texas Longhorns, and came back to settle and ranch the area. Edwin M. Searle was working for the Union Pacific Railroad. They sent him to run the telegraph at Alkali Paxton along the railroad stop. This area was a little more than a water tower and section house. Kind of odd that folks would just want to live there. Like, oh, this is perfect.
1: Yeah. (laughs) And Texas ranchers were looking for ways to move their cattle farther north for more land to graze on. Nebraska was a good place for this, and it wasn't too far. The only problem was the farmers in Schroiler and Kearney County didn't like the cattle coming on their land to graze.
0: No free grazers.
1: Nope. Settlers began complaining to the legislature that the cattle were destroying their crops. The farmers wanted the cattle in fences, and the ranchers wanted the farmers fenced off. No one could agree on anything. In 1870, the Herds Law Act was passed. Under the new law, everyone had to keep their stock from the crops of other people or pay damages. If anyone found stock in their crops, they could take the stock and hold it until the damages were paid. This law made it possible for poor people who could not afford to fence off their land a place to raise crops.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, with ranchers not able to let the cattle roam free in the eastern part of Nebraska that was quickly being filled up with farmers, Union Pacific had to find a new place for a shipping point for cattle. They chose Ogallala. Because of its dry climate, farmers felt it wasn't a suitable place for farming. So little did the ranchers know the Lonergan brothers cattle were doing quite well in the area.
1: In 1873, those living in the Oogalala area petitioned Governor Robert Furness to create a new county. An election was held on Saturday, May 3rd at Lewis Oftengarden's house to decide the county officers. E.M. Searle, James Miller, and John Dowd were elected as county commissioners. Lewis Oftengarden was the county clerk. Scott Keith was the probate judge. Robert Law was the county treasurer. A.H. Bradley became the sheriff. George Van Camp was the superintendent of schools. And lastly, John Gordon was the surveyor. The county name was chosen as Keith County, named after a local rancher. Ugalala was then selected as the county seat, and it is still the county seat today.
0: So, the next year, 1874, the Union Pacific Railroad built cattle pens to hold all the cattle and cattle loading chute just west of Ogallala. They anticipated all the cattle coming up into this area to graze and felt this would be the best place to store the cattle until they were ready to go east to be auctioned or sold to butchers. By 1875, roughly 50 to 75,000 cattle reached the cattle pens in Ogallala. Within five years, that number doubled.
1: It's crazy. I mean, we were talking about it last night, and then bringing in those herds of cattle on the street, and how long it would take to push it through the town. When I mean, we were saying shut the town day, down the whole day, if not
0: more. <laughs> I mean, when you've got seventy five thousand cattle, and mm-hmm. then if that number doubled, so one hundred and fifty thousand herd of cattle coming through. Yeah, it's insane. It it's would just be all like day. an ocean. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: You can't see the end of it. Yeah, it's wild.
1: Well, the next unfortunate soul to be laid to rest in the Boot Hill Cemetery was Robert Webster. He was a Yankee boy who, after the Civil War, went to work in Texas as a cattle driver. When he finally arrived in Oogalala, he headed to the North Platte River to wash off the dusty trail. While bathing naked and unarmed in the river, he was gunned down by a fellow cowhand who went by the name Woolsey. Some sources say he was shot just because he was a Yankee and Woolsey was a Confederate soldier. Another story I read was Woosley was dressed up like an Indian and went after their African American cook who was out hunting and tried to kill him. While Woosley was firing at the cook, Webster was firing his gun at Woosley. The cook ran back to camp for help and was not harmed. When Woosley found out that Webster was shooting at him, this upset him, so he killed him. <laughs> Robert was laid to rest in the Boot Hill Cemetery until his sister found out he was killed. She arranged to have his body moved back to Michigan.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, either way, he was killed, whatever yep. the story was. Well, as more cattlemen started to come to the area, the town realized they needed to become a bit more civilized. <laughs> On November 23rd, 1875, B.I. Hinman, Guy Barton, and M.C. Keith, not like M.C. Hammer, just <laughs> probably Michael Kors, <laughs> something like that. Anyway, they filed a plan to form the town. A free lot was given to anyone willing to build a business. Pretty good incentive. Yeah. All the businesses were located south of the railroad tracks. The stores fronted what was called a railroad street. Lewis Oftengarten built a general store on the corner of the intersection of Railroad Street and the trail leading south to the Platte River. This is the cattle herding trail. So Mm -hmm. when they come in with their herd, he's the first one they see. Yep. Brilliant. Well, several saloons began popping up along the street with names like the Cowboy's Rest and the Crystal Palace. Not the same one that's in Tombstone. (laughs) Uh, The last building on the street was a hotel built by S.S. Gast. Uh, He called it the Ogallala House. It consisted of a dining room on the main floor and rooms to let upstairs. The hotel was always booked up and full during the summer months. Gast's wife was the cook, and it was said she made the best meal in town. What do you think her meal was?
1: Um, you said meatloaf last night. I said
0: meatloaf, though. Yeah.
1: <laughs> and I would have to agree, it would probably be something very easy like that.
0: Easy and hearty. Yeah.
1: yeah. And Beans some and sort meatloaf. of cornbread or, yeah. you know, some biscuits. Mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. So the town also got to work building a gel house for all the rough cattlemen heading into town. Lewis Offengarden built the stone gel from the local sandstone quarried from the surrounding hills. When the building was completed, it was said to be the finest jail west of Omaha. It was quickly found out that the building was not big enough for the amount of men being arrested.
0: Well, to give you an idea of how the town of Ogallala functioned during this time, we need to kind of explain the cattle trail. So men would bring cattle up north from Texas. There were several trails that they could take. The Good Night Loving Trail would go through New Mexico, Colorado, and and in Wyoming. The Western Trail, or sometimes called the Texas Trail, would go through Oklahoma, Kansas, Nebraska, and South Dakota. The Chisholm Trail would go through Oklahoma and end in Kansas. And finally, the Shawnee Trail would go through Oklahoma and end in Missouri. And if you're a fan of old Western dime novels from Zane Gray or Louis L'Amour, the Chisholm Trail would sound pretty familiar to you.
1: Yeah, that's what you were saying last night, no? mm-hmm. so then I feel like I need to read their books. <laughs> There's lots of them,
0: lots and lots.
1: We found some of the antiques store that one time, remember? Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, she wanted way too much for them, though.
1: Yeah. The men would bring cattle up from Texas in the early spring, and by June, the men would arrive in Ugalala. During the summer months, the town was full of a 100 or more cattle drivers, as well as 10 to 12 herds of cattle. It was difficult for men to find a place to sleep or eat. Most men ended up sleeping outdoors on the ground. The ladies of the night would also come into town around this time to work. The cattle hands tended to be young men, and after being out on the trail for a few months doing nothing but watching over the cattle, they began to get a little bored. And once they arrived in town, they felt that they now had a chance to let loose. Mm -hmm. They had money to spend, bar rooms with ladies to visit, and gambling tables to try their luck at.
0: So t- we were talking about this as well from that 10 to 12 herds of cattle but it was 50 to 75,000.
1: Yeah and then it doubled dead. within 5 years.
0: Yeah. So if it's just 10, that's 750 cattle per herd. Yeah. Insane. And then doubling.
1: Yeah, and I don't just know insane. how many ranch hands they would or, or drivers they would have.
0: All of them. In it? That have them all. <laughs> You'd need them all.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, the men would stay in the area until late August, some as long as November if they were going to push the weather a little bit, and then most would head back to Texas. The floaters, gamblers, tradesfolk, and dancehall girls, who made up a large portion of Ogallala's transient population, moved on to Omaha or Cheyenne to spend the winter there, and would come back the next spring. And I thought that was funny, because... It's still cold. Mm -hmm. It's not going to be a nice pleasant winter in either Omaha or Cheyenne.
1: Yeah, it's not like we're going to Florida for the winter. (laughs) It's like
0: follow the other boys back down to Texas. (laughs) Well, from November until late spring, Ogallala was a quiet little town. Only one hotel, one supply house, and one saloon stayed open during the winter months.
1: The year 1877 brought excitement and more crime to the town. William Campbell came to Ogallala from Texas with the cattle drives, When he arrived in town, he went to the guest house for dinner. When he walked in, he saw the two Moy brothers ordering food. Both brothers ordered a meal of baked beans, and when Campbell heard it, he yelled out,
0: Just what I thought, a bunch of damned Yankee bean eaters.
1: (laughs) The brothers ignored Campbell as he continued to yell at them during their meal. Once they were finished they got up and went to the cowboy saloon for drinks. Campbell followed the men to the saloon, yelling at them the entire time. Campbell then grabbed his gun, and the Moy brothers followed. Shots were fired, and when the smoke cleared, a few bystanders were injured, and Campbell lay dead on the floor.
0: That'll teach him to talk shit.
1: Yep. Campbell was next to join the boot hill.
0: Dun-dun-dun. Joel Collins and Sam Bass arrived in town in 1877. Prior to arriving in the area, Joel was working as a bartender in San Antonio when he met Sam Bass. Sam was working for the sheriff in Denton County. During his time working for the sheriff, he acquired a racehorse. Soon his interest turned to racing, and he was forced to make the decision to either sell his horse or stop working for the sheriff. Like any responsible young lad, he quit his job and moved to San Antonio. (laughs) A rebel at the best. Well, Joel Collins was getting ready to move a head of cattle up north, and he hired Sam to help him with the move. When the men arrived in Ogallala, they sold the herd of cattle, and rather than return to Texas to give the money to the cattle owner, they decided to split the money and head to Deadwood to try their hand at mining.
1: Between their gambling and poor mine investments, the men lost all the stolen money. Oops. Oops. (laughs) Yeah, I guess you can't give it back to him now. The pair partnered up with Jack Davis, Jim Berry, Bill Heffridge, and Tom Nixon, and became known as the Black Hill Bandits. The group then started robbing stagecoaches. Four of the robberies were successful, with no one being harmed, but on the fifth attempt, one of the outlaws killed the stage driver, Johnny Slaughter. The bandits decided after that the money they were getting from the stagecoaches just wasn't enough and set their sights to bigger robberies. Do you know what it'd be?
0: Trains. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. Well, the crew headed south and set up camp just outside of Ogallala around September 1st. They then headed into town and got a corner table at the Crystal Palace and began working out the details of their next big robbery. On September eighteenth, eighteen 1877, the men made their move to rob the eastbound Union Pacific, 20 miles west of Ogallala at Big Springs Station. The bandits made off with $60,000 of freshly minted $20 gold pieces, 450 bucks from the mail car safe, and about 1300 bucks from the passengers, as well as four gold watches.
1: Yeah, so the take equals just over $1.7 today.
0: That's a good haul for four people. Mm-hmm. But when word got to Ogallala of the robbery, a posse was formed to catch these fellas.
1: It was said, too, when I was reading about the train robbery, Mm -hmm. that the $450 was in the safe, but the $60,000 of the $20 gold pieces were in boxes. And just like in where the cargo stuff goes. Yeah,
0: they would have locked that car, but they wouldn't have had a safe big enough for all that.
1: They didn't even lock the car. They just put oh. the money in there thinking that nobody would be wanting yeah, to rob them. It's fine. And the men didn't even know that the money was there. While they were refusing to open the safe, they started going through all of the stuff and they found that.
0: <laughs> wow. So they would have been $60,000 shy if they didn't know.
1: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a $10,000 reward was put up by the Union Pacific for the capture and return for the money
0: so that 10 grand would be about 275 grand today
1: Joel Collins was identified as one of the robbers when he was recognized by a old friend who picked him out on the, on the train like hey You look familiar.
0: Bill, is that you?
1: (laughs) Meanwhile, M.F. Leach, the owner of a store in Ugalala, identified the man when a piece of cloth was found at the scene. The cloth was used to cover the faces of the robbers and was purchased at his store. Leach saddled up his horse and headed south to Texas, where he knew the men came from, in an attempt to collect the reward money. Leach traveled all over to find the men, only to find out he was a few days shy of catching them, and they had already been captured. When he returned to Ugolala with no reward money, the town had an unexpected present for him. He was elected the new sheriff. (laughs)
0: Like it or not, surprise. Well, for five years, Keith County had tried to put a sheriff in place that would last. It's going to have a tough job out there.
1: Yeah. I mean, during the winter, it'd be fine. But it's when when all the crazy cattlemen come in. You're like, I can't do this on my own. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It gets a little rough and tumble. I also
1: read, too, that they didn't really pay their sheriffs much money.
0: Yeah. Back then, a lot of the sheriffs were paid very minimally. Mm -hmm. And they would get uh, money from the warrants that were served and brought Uh, in, basically. Okay. So that's how they would get their money, and then they were also allowed to collect reward money, basically. Okay. So that's why, uh, that's how Wyatt met Doc Holliday, is he was out, he had left Dodge City, and he was tracking a bounty, basically, Mm -hmm. trying to get this money.
1: Was he the sheriff of Dodge City at the time, or did Uh, he just go? Working
0: as a law enforcement officer, one way or the other.
1: Okay.
0: Yeah, so they didn't get much money. Uh, So yeah, six men had taken on the task, only to walk off the job after some time. It's not an easy job to keep the rowdy cow hands in line, and it took a fearless and determined sheriff to accomplish the job. Leach only held on to the position as sheriff for a few months before he, too, walked off the job. <laughs> so Joseph C. Hughes took over the position and would continue to step in as sheriff for several years when someone would walk away from their position. So he's kind of the backup sheriff.
1: Yeah, yep, I, and he didn't want to be. He right. just kind of felt obligated to, I like, guess. fine,
0: I'll do it again for a minute.
1: <laughs> J.C. Hughes came to Ugolala in the spring of 1873. He built a cabin along the North Platte River, and his family soon joined him there. His first appointment as sheriff was in February 1877. He survived in that position until the November elections. He took over as sheriff again in December 1878 and held that position until November 1879, so almost a whole year. Hmm. Um, It was during this time that Ugalala had its most famous shootout between Sheriff Joe and four
0: Texas drovers. Yep, Shitty timing for a guy that didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. In July of 1879, 19-year-old William Bruton, 20-year-old William Shook, along with Henry Parker and another fellow, we don't know who he was. Uh, <laughs> they were in town, just shooting up the place, raisin' hell. So the men were arrested by Sheriff Hughes and placed in the stone jail. They somehow managed to escape, and rather than flee town, they stuck around and began terrorizing the town again, saying that no one could rearrest them. This went on for several nights before Sheriff Hughes, along with Deputy Jasper Southerd, ordered the men to surrender inside their local saloon. Shook drew his revolver, and Hughes did the same. Hughes fired a shot, hit and shook in the neck. Shook then began to lunge at the sheriff, and Hughes fired another shot, hitting him in the side. Bruton was shot, but not killed. He was arrested and placed in jail, where he later succumbed to his wounds. Henry Parker was shot as well. The bullet hit him in the stomach. Newspaper reports that Parker's wound was fatal, and he died later that day or possibly the next. The fourth person is believed to have been wounded, but fled the area. The three men were placed in the Boot Hill Cemetery.
1: For 15 years, Ugalala welcomed cowhands from Texas. By the 1880s, the cattle drives began to slow down. In 1883, a severe drought followed by a rough winter made it that much more difficult for ranchers to raise cattle in the area. The following year, the Texas fever epidemic began spreading across the plains. The epidemic was caused by ticks that carried diseases and would attach to the cattle, when the cattle were brought up north, the ticks would then make a new home on the new herd of cattle in an attempt to combat the spread of the state enacted a quarantine law. This meant that no cattle could come up north from Texas and graze in Nebraska. This was ultimately the end of the Texas trail. Ugalala started to change from a once thriving cattle town to a farming community.
0: Edward Rattlesnake Whirly was shot by Link Keyes in a saloon on August 17th, or maybe the 18th, in 1884 over a $9 bet.
1: That's about $265 today.
0: So there are two stories as to why he was shot. One story says he was shot when he lost his money playing Monty and asked Keyes to loan him some cash. When Keyes refused, Whirly pulled out a knife and rushed at him. Keyes stepped back, pulled out his revolver, and shot him, hitting him in the corner of the eye. Ouch! Mm-hmm. Uh, other story says he asked to borrow nine bucks from him for a train ticket. When Keys refused, Worley rushed at him with a knife and was shot. Though the stories differ, it still remains true: Keys shot and killed Rattlesnake, making his new home in the Boot Hill.
1: The following year, in late August, George Orman was killed by Jack Keys during a gambling dispute. Jack Keys was the brother of Link Keys, the man responsible for killing Ed Rattlesnake the year prior. George was laid to rest in the Boot Hill Cemetery, and was possibly one of the last burials in that cemetery. That Keys family's got some issues—a <laughs> little bit of anger.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, now that we got Marley done chasing her rabbits and we settled, <laughs> we can continue. So, in 1886, the town developed the new Ogallala Cemetery, with the first burial being in February of that year. Around 1890, remains were transferred from the Boot Hill Cemetery to the current cemetery. Many of the longtime residents that have had family buried in the Boot Hill didn't want their kin next to outlaws and drifters that populated the Boot Hill. We see this a lot.
1: Yeah, and they say that's kind of a normal thing in other towns too. <laughs> yeah,
0: the Boot Hill in Virginia City, Montana, mm-hmm. did exactly that, leaving just a handful of outlaws for the most part up there. Yep. It's thought that when the city opened the new cemetery, that roughly 48 folks were laid to rest in the Boot Hill. Yet it's likely more were buried here. They just weren't the best record keepers back then.
1: Yeah. When the town established the new cemetery, Boot Hill was forgotten about. The town wanted to move past its rough and tumble days of cowboys running amok to a more civilized town. The cemetery was eventually fenced off and forgotten about. Over time, the town children began to use the hill in the winter to sled down it and made a game out of avoiding the headstones.
0: <laughs> Which was a game of avoiding, meaning that more often than not, they probably did not avoid
1: that. Yeah, <laughs> yes. I'm sure they destroyed
0: a lot doing all that.
1: By 1930, the elements had pretty much destroyed what was left of the cemetery. In the 1960s, J.C.'s ordered a group of people to try and preserve the cemetery. Jay-Z did that? No, jay
0: Oh. Word.
1: I know my pronunciation is a little uh off sometimes. <laughs> J C.
0: He was doing a lot back then, I didn't even yeah. know he was that old. Cool. Good job, J C. Yeah. <laughs> he knew the hard knock life. <laughs>
1: Well, the group began cleaning it up, planted trees, and did what they could to repair the headstones. As repairs and research was being done to the cemetery, they were able to discover stories about those that were long forgotten. Today, about 35 markers remain, with only 24 having a known history.
0: So about half of what they suspected was in there. Yeah. They actually know who they are. Well, when 10th Street was built along the south side of Boot Hill. A pioneer descendant, Rose O'Brien, voiced concerns that the local contractor made no effort to remove the body of Eva Hughes. Eva was Joseph and Elizabeth Hughes' only daughter, and when she passed away in 1884, she was laid to rest at the foot of the hill, roughly where the street runs today. Though no record shows a body was found during construction, no records show that Eva was ever removed from the cemetery and placed next to her folks in the new cemetery either.
1: Yeah, so... She could still be there, too.
0: In the in the uh, asphalt.
1: (laughs) Yep. As the town began to grow and more roads and houses were being built, they made more discoveries. In August of 1978, Hobart Brown was digging up an area around the northwest edge of the cemetery. As he brought up a load of dirt, he saw what looked to be remains of wood, cloth, and human bones. The chief of police came out to see what it was and discovered a coffin lid with the letter W on it. He then found boot heels and a handkerchief with the name Craig Waxman embroidered on it.
0: The group continued to dig around the area, and three more bodies were discovered. Two of the graves were men wearing brown wool suits. The fourth grave was thought to be a woman, though the features were very masculine. It has since been agreed that the fourth body was that of a male.
1: Yeah, I couldn't find anything saying why like why they thought it was a woman. Mm. <laughs> so it almost kind of makes me wonder if it was based on his clothing.
0: Yeah. They might have hated the guy and put him in a dress to bury him. <laughs> <Who knows?
1: laughs> or they liked his outfit. And he's like, well, he's dead. He doesn't need it now.
0: Yeah. Or he was an <laughs> outlaw Yeah, and he was trying to hide So yeah. dressed as a woman. Who knows? Well, as more research was being done on the bodies by UNL's anthropology department, they came to believe that these men may have been the three cowboys killed in July of 1879 because the wounds matched what was recorded about the men back then in the shootout. It is unclear if Craig Waxman was part of the shootout or not. Newspapers at the time report that the three men were killed and a fourth got away. We talked about that. Yep. It is possible that Craig was the fourth man and he eventually died from his wounds and brought back to Ogallala to be buried in the Butte Hill Cemetery next to his uh partners in crime.
1: Yeah. Which would make sense mm-hmm. why he would be on the top. They would have found him first being the last buried. Yep. And if he was found weeks later, they're not going to just Redig a new hole. They'll just kind of get oh, yeah. what they can, out easily, and put him there.
0: Yep, yeah, bury him back on top. That soil might have already been loose enough, and just yep, dig a shallow grave and plant him.
1: Uh huh. <laughs> well, when we went to visit Ugalala, we were on the start of a ten-day trip exploring the Midwest. We did not plan to stop there, but when we saw a sign that said Ugalala, we were reminded of a time when we were in Virginia City, Nevada, and we heard this couple talking about the town, and they were making fun of the name and how funny it sounded. Mm -hmm. So drifter always asks me when I see something on the road if we should stop. Often I say no, but lately I've been trying to be better and say yes, because I think we miss out on a lot of things when I say no. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Well, this was one of those times that I said Yes. We had no idea what to expect there. But as we drove around town, we could see this large bronze statue up on a hill. Mm -hmm. And as we got closer to see what it was, we realized it was in the Boot Hill Cemetery.
0: Fate, as it were, (laughs) led us right to it. Well, naturally, we had to go see the cemetery. Plus, it was time for a rest from being in the car anyway. Mm -hmm. Uh, The cemetery parking is at the bottom of the hill with a large sign at the base of it that talks about Ogallala history. There is a set of stairs that you have to climb to get to the cemetery, but once you reach the top you are greeted with a few wooden headstones scattered throughout and a large bronze statue of a cowboy on a horse. He's resting his head on his hand as he looks out into the distance. It is meant to be a representation of the Texas cattle drovers of the early years, and this is a replica of an identical statue located in Dallas, Texas. If y'all live in Dallas and I happen to see that, would you send us a picture? That's so cool.
1: Yeah. I can't remember where it's located at. I'll have to find it where it says it is. Mm -hmm. But that would be kind of fun to see it.
0: Yeah. Well, I have a picture on our side of what the statue looks like so you know how to match it.
1: Yeah, yeah. As we walked around the cemetery taking video and picture, we couldn't help but wonder how many more people were just lost to time and forgotten about. Between 1875 to 1885, The town of Ogallala had 17 recorded violent deaths, which was actually a lot for a town of 100 permanent residents. Most of them died with their boots on, and that's where the name for the cemetery comes from. The bodies were placed in canvas sacks, lowered into a shallow grave, and marked with a wooden marker. There were little to no records kept of the burials cemetery is very peaceful and well-maintained now with nice walking paths and large trees for shade.
0: Yeah. It's actually a really cool setup they have out there. hmm They have a uh, walking tour map. Yep. So each station you can kind of walk around and read the history, of, yeah. a brief of it anyway. Well, we want to share one more story about someone who was buried in the Boo Hill. There are many more souls up there that have stories to be told, but this gal's story is a bit of a legend in town. Sarah Miller was married to Bernard Miller, who happened to be a local rancher. She was 24 years old when she was given birth to her baby, but tragically, she did not survive, and neither did her baby. She was laid to rest in the Hill on August 2, 1878. In 1891, Sarah and her baby were removed from the cemetery to be placed in the new Ogallala City Cemetery. Soon after, a story about her started making its way around town. The folklore is that when her body was exhumed, Sarah had become petrified and looked exactly the same as she did the day she was buried. The story continues on that Sarah's body was so heavy that the men had to use a crane to remove her from the ground. Though her body's in the new cemetery, the Boot Hill Cemetery still has a headstone there for her and her baby.
1: Yeah, it's, still, um, if I remember correctly, the only one with a crib around it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I do recall a picture of that, too. Mm -hmm.
1: Um, Well, making a stop at the cemetery was well worth it. Definitely. When we finished up there, we made our way out of town and continued on our path. We have since come to find out that there's a lot more to do in Oogalala than just see the cemetery. And we cannot wait to have the chance to go back and explore the streets that the cowboys once wandered years ago.
0: Yeah, I'd like to go see if the jail is still there. If not, at least find the location of it and whatnot. I think
1: the jail, if I read right, is a museum now.
0: Oh, yeah. That'd be super the cool. The
1: original gel uh, that Lewis built, it was either torn down or it was expanded on eventually over time.
0: Well, it was the finest one west of Omaha.
1: <laughs> it was. And then the the original courthouse was somebody's house, and then it got rebuilt and then uh, rebuilt again. So they've had three courthouses. mm mm-hmm. um, The new one looks cool, but not old. You know, it's like 70s-style modern one, you know? Yeah. But yeah, there's a lot to do there. Their whole main streets turned into like a revamped cowboy town.
0: Oh yeah, mm-hmm. that's cool. Those are always fun. Yep, love it. All right, well that kind of wraps up our adventure out to the uh, Boot Hill Cemetery in Ogallala. Yeah. So this is that time again when we do the uh, the dad joke.
1: You want a dad joke?
0: Do you want to give us a dad joke? I do. Uh, of course, you do. I, I can't wait.
1: <laughs> so, what do you call a retired cowboy?
0: Uh, yeah. What What do you call a retired cowboy?
1: Deranged. Because <laughs> they're out on the range, and now he's not on the range, so he's deranged. But then he's crazy too. <laughs> And you're right. <laughs> wow.
0: Yeah. That was a huh?
1: You had to think about that one, huh?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> totally was way over my head for a while. damn it. <laughs> all right, then. Well, <laughs> thank you all so very much for joining us on our adventures. Yes. Uh, today, we're recording this on Memorial Day, so not quite the end of the month. And we've already broke last month's record, Mm -hmm. setting another new high score, as it were. Very awesome, very exciting. And we owe this all to you. And for that, we say thank you.
1: Yes, thank you so much. And also, speaking of Memorial Day, if you haven't listened to our Bergstrom Brothers episode, it's perfect for Memorial Day. Absolutely. That was a good one. So we hope that you guys keep listening and enjoying the show and sharing it with your friends and family.
0: Yeah. And uh, we were talking about it as we're now past our 50th episode. This one's 51. 51 yeah, um, uh, We thought we'd put it out there and see if y'all are interested in a little Q&A episode. It might be kind of fun.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: if you are, you can send us your questions through any of the social media deals or email. Uh, you yeah. can you know, pull up all the Twitters and the Insta things and all that kind of stuff on (laughs) it's all on our website and I put links to the email is on our show notes as well as the website and all that kind of stuff too so yeah yeah, that'd be kind of fun so if we get enough response in there we'll put together probably just a bonus episode we're not going to take away from our normal production as it were yeah Um, yeah so anyway as always we're most active on the Instagram
1: at rebel at large if you want to see what we're up to You can find links to our email, Patreon, new merch store, and other social deals as well as photos relating to each episode on our website, rebelatlarge.com.
0: And we had a request to put out some uh, baby swag, merch, whatever you want to call it. So. I did that just before recording this. So we've got some, what did we put? Baby beanies and some shirts and a little stuffed animal that didn't come into the baby section. I think it's under the accessory section on that website. Yeah. But I thought a little replica of Marley would be fun on there. (laughs) Cute. They don't
1: have a dog that looks dumb enough as a stuffed animal (laughs) for Marley. I would have
0: to modify it quite a bit. (laughs) Like, we
1: run it over. Does that work?
0: Right. So yeah, check out the merch store. Alrighty, Well, we'll talk to y'all here in a couple of weeks. Thanks again, folks. Yes, safe travels. We'll see y'all down the road. Try that again. Say that Schuyler.
1: Schuyler. Woosley. right? Woolsey. Woolsey. Bill, what is his last name? Mm-hmm. Following.
0: Either way, he was shot. Yeah. Though the stories differ, that's the truth, fact of the matter. <laughs> Okay, let's try that again. Can you hear Marley's asleep behind us? (laughs) Yeah. I need a microphone for her. Her head's down off the pillow. Put her body's up. She's chasing rabbits.
1: It looks like she's laughing.
0: (laughs) Such a peaceful moment here in the studio. Well, when 10th Street, well, when 10th
1: The sheriff of police came out to see what it was. Say that
0: again. The chief of police. Yep. Just what I thought. A bunch of damned Yankee bean eaters.